Well, welcome back to Koinonia. I'm Mark Buckley from Living Streams Church, and my guest is Floyd McClung. Floyd's actually going to be preaching at our services at Living Streams this weekend, uh, but I'm not going to take time to talk about that now. I want to talk about um, you getting into missions, and this was in the 60s, and you're a young guy, and where'd you go and what'd you do? I got married. I graduated from university June 1st, 1967. Mm -hmm. I was 21 years of age. Sally was 18. Uh, We got married the next day, June 2nd, Mm -hmm. had a three-day honeymoon. And June 5th, we took off with 70 young people on a short-term outreach to Jamaica. Wow. (laughs) Which... I was crazy to do that. but Hey, when, when Christina and I got married, we had the six guys who were going to be living with us in our discipleship house <laughs> join us for the second week of our honeymoon <laughs> up at Lake Tahoe. So we we were serving the Lord. That was the only way to live, right? My wife's forgiven me. How about you? <laughs> Has Christina forgiven you? <laughs> I don't get asked to do a lot of marriage seminars. <laughs> exactly. Well, we went on short-term outreaches for three years, and we absolutely loved it. Uh, Sally and I traveled... Never stayed in one place longer than two months. Really? Family and friends said, hey, we feel bad for you. You don't have a house. Mm-hmm. We'd get alone and we'd say how much, how bad we felt for them that they had to live in one house. Yeah, yeah, because <laughs> you got to see the world. And we didn't have any money, and they tried to figure out how you could do this without a budget, without a salary, and we just trusted God. And, and he provided. Oh, man, in such amazing and ways. So you were doing evangelism on these outreaches? Yeah, we would go out, share the gospel, plant churches, make disciples, and it was mainly to give young people, American young people, an exposure to the world. Right. And get their hearts transformed by seeing the needs and getting involved and seeing God touch people's lives. We have a, a, one of our pastors, David Stockton, just went down to Belize and he planted a, another church down there. It's the second time he's done it. And I was talking on Sunday with one of the men who was down there for a week and about what it was like for him to share his testimony in another culture and just get out of the shell of, of self-consciousness that everybody lives in and, and tell what Jesus had done. And it was so powerful in his life. It's wonderful for people to get out of their culture and let God use them, isn't it? I'll never forget the first time I shared the gospel with a person of another color, another culture. Mm-hmm. I was just so young, and it was so touching to me to hear see somebody respond to the gospel and give their heart to Jesus. And yeah. I prayed. I remember praying for a little lady on, on a little village called Bird Rock on the island of St. Kitts in the mm-hmm. West Indies. And God healed her. And I, I wasn't a healing evangelist. Yeah. I was actually shocked. Yeah. <laughs> she had a bent back and God, she, stri- really? she straightened up. What a blessing. And she huh? came and found us a couple of days later to tell us. So wow. when you see God use your life, it kind of spoils you for the ordinary. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So how did you end up in Afghanistan, of all places? Well, we were with YWAM, Youth mm-hmm. with a Mission, and mm-hmm. YWAM is crazy, you know. Mm-hmm. Young people can go and change the world, and I actually believe that. Yeah. <laughs> so we took a team, and we bought around-the-world tickets, and we traveled around the world. And when we were in India, we had some kids come up and beg from us. So it's not unusual to have kids beg from you in India. Mm-hmm. A lot of Indian kids do that. But these were American kids. And they were sick. They were seriously in need. Really? They were jaundiced. They were about to die. And I thought, wow, what's their story? So I started hearing their story. started finding out and seeing there were tens of thousands of American, European kids backpacking all over the world. Backpackers. And they'd run out of money. They ran out of money. They got sick. They got their passports stolen. They started taking drugs. And their whole life ended up upside down. They were very vulnerable. And we said... 
And we not only we said, but we felt God said, go back and get involved. Mm -hmm. So we finished the round the world trip, recruited another team, headed back to India where we were going to set up a halfway house. Mm -hmm. Kind of do it like a little Francis Schaefer, let people ask questions, but take care of their practical needs. When we traveled overland, we went through Turkey, Iran, Afghanistan. When we got to Afghanistan, there was an amazing man there by the name of Christy Wilson. He said, please don't go on to India. Everybody's in India, but nobody's helping the young people here in, in Afghanistan. It was the crossroads of Asia. Everybody traveling overland had to go through Kabul, Afghanistan. Mm-hmm. And we, we prayed and we did. We stayed there. And wow. we stayed there for years until the Taliban came in and kicked us out. <laughs> so what, what kind of place did you have? We rented a big house uh-huh. in, a, in a suburb of the city. Mm-hmm. I mean, Afghanistan is Afghanistan. It's very different. But there yep. were people that had... Decent houses. Decent houses. They were the wealthy, elite people. And we rented those houses. We rented one, filled it up, and rented a second one, then a third one. Started a free clinic, started a tea house. That's wonderful. We would go out and share the good news and help people practice. You had some people and, come to know Christ in those days that you've known all these years. And, and when was that? What, what that was from? in the early 70s. Uh-huh. And we had, we had people that are today pastors and missionaries in more than 25 countries that came to Jesus in, in that ministry. Wow. Amazing. Because they're, they were adventurers. They were they were trying to see the world. I did a little of that, hitchhiking through Europe and all myself, and then um, realized I I can't be a Pied Piper when I don't even know the right tune. You know, I need to go back home and get to know God <laughs> before I do any more of this. So that's awesome, Floyd. So from Afghanistan, where'd you go? Oh, for, well, let, let me ask you about the Taliban. They came in as early as the 70s. Well, the Taliban are actually one particular tribe, mm-hmm. predominantly, the Pashtuns. Mm-hmm. And the Pashtu tribe has always dominated the other tribes of Afghanistan. And they're always the most fundamentalist of, of their Muslim faith. So the Taliban is just another name for the fundamentalist Pashtun people who have always dominated Afghanistan. So, so they were there. Do they look different? Do they dress different? Do they are there are they colored different? Can you tell? The Pashtun people are taller. Mm-hmm. They've got bigger noses like Middle Eastern people mm-hmm. and they're just more authoritative. They're more dominant. They're on both okay. sides of the border. They're in Pakistan and Afghanistan. They're the leaders. They're the economic drivers of what happens in Afghanistan. So were they actually called Taliban in those days? No, they weren't called Taliban in those days. That was kind of an evolution of a name that was mm-hmm. given to, to describe them when some of their leaders emerged. Okay. So as um, after a number of years, you started getting some pressure from them, and that's when you felt like it's time to move on. Well, you know, there was a lot of political intrigue. It was mm-hmm. fascinating. The Russians and the Americans were vying for control of the country. Mm-hmm. The Americans didn't want the Russians to have control of Afghanistan because it was going to open up for them if they could control Afghanistan. And then they could get control in Pakistan. They would have a warm water port. Right. So the Americans had their intrigue trying to prevent the the Russians from doing that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the Americans were building highways and the Russians were building highways and they were building silos and they were doing everything to win the approval. Meanwhile, there was a coup taking place, kind of the makings mm-hmm. of a coup. The king was overthrown and then one government after another. And we were there when all that started. First coup took place. There were tanks in the streets. 
jets flying over street, overhead, people firing their AK-47s. Very and, unstable. To yeah, very unstable. One government came into power. A foreign minister called me in. He knew what we were doing. You know, we were there to help Western kids, but right. we were sharing the gospel with Afghans. Mm-hmm. And he said, we know what you're doing. We're not going to allow any of this anymore. You share the gospel with one more person. It, well, the way he said it is, if you talk about Jesus to one more Afghan person, your blood will flow in the streets. And 30 days later, he, they kicked us out. Yeah. He yeah. ended up, by the way, another coup took place, kicked him out, and he ended up in a, in a, in a, in a, in a zoo in a, in a cage. <laughs> Wow. Yeah, it was like that. This one government after another. Wow, what a scene. So from there you went to? We went to Amsterdam. Amsterdam. Everybody coming through Kabul had been in Amsterdam. Because so they dope flowed fairly freely in Amsterdam. The dope right? was free. It was peace and love days. And mm-hmm. people talked about Amsterdam. And it was kind of a cool city. Yep. People lived in houseboats. And, mm-hmm. and they talked about the Fondel Park, this big, huge park where people could hang out. And, and it was free love. and. Yeah. Free drugs. When I was a young believer in 1970, traveling through Europe, I went to Amsterdam. And, and there were some believers there, too, in the midst of it all, wasn't there? Yeah, exactly. And so what did you guys do there? Well, uh, we heard about it before we got kicked out. And so we sent one of our spies. Mm-hmm. He was a young convert. And we'd already opened up uh, new works in uh, Kathmandu, Nepal, and down in uh, New Delhi and in Goa, India. Mm-hmm. And we were kind of dreaming, like, hey, wherever the young people go— We'll we'll be there too. Yeah, we'll go where the backpackers are. So we sent this young guy named Paul Miller, and uh, so he dressed up. He was wearing just long hippie garb, you know. He got a suit and flip flops because <laughs> he was flying to the west. He flew to uh, to Amsterdam. He spent a week there, two weeks, and he came back and he told us about all these houseboats on the canals. And he said people told us told me it was crazy. We shouldn't try it, but he said I think we should do it. I think God's in it. So he was a good spy, if I can say. Yeah, yeah. And he said, we got to go for it. So when we got kicked out, we just thought, okay, we're going to Amsterdam. And so how, you, you show up there. You still don't have much money or anything. Oh, we didn't you? have any money. We were living <laughs> on $50 a month support, supporting 50 to 100 young people every day. Wow. <laughs> it was miracle time. You know? So how, how did it happen? How did your ministry develop? Because it's still going to this day, and it's really flourished, hasn't it? Well, you it? know, um, a guy wrote me. We'd done a YWAM outreach in Amsterdam. Mm-hmm. We were still a part of YWAM in those days. We're with a different ministry now that Sally and I started. But he said, hey, we bought these two houseboats. Mm-hmm. We did a summer outreach, and we don't know what to do with them. We prayed, and God said to call you, contact wow. you. So he wrote me, and I wrote back, and I said, I want them. I'll take them. Yes. So <laughs> we just, you know, the guy just come back, Paul just yeah. come back from Amsterdam, and we were all geared and ready to go. And when we got kicked out, we bought an old hippie bus uh-huh it was the original rv <laughs> welded beds in it right 25 feet long and we drove from Kabul to amsterdam we broke down 27 times on the way <laughs> i i remember on one of our family vacations our our van broke down and you know we're out in the middle of nowhere outside of uh, in southern california finally um these this sheriff's car pulls up and uh they just roll down their windows they won't get out of the car and i say hey we're broken down here he goes uh who who are you guys nobody comes here unless they're going to drop off a dead body or do a drug deal you know 
And they wouldn't even get out of the car, but they called a tow truck for us. And there, there's all kinds of adventures that take place when you're on the road. Isn't Amen. There? So much fun. My guest is Floyd McClung. We're talking about his adventures in missions over the a lifetime. He's written a whole number of books. So we're going to talk about some of his books in a little bit and find out what happened when he visited Syrian refugees in Jordan and Lebanon. And uh, I think you're going to enjoy this interview. I'm Mark Buckley from Living Streams. We'll be right back after these messages. 